twice time. Swiss manufactured, French hoarded, Italian squandered. Americans say it is money, Hindus say it does not exist. You know what I see? Hello, this is Brent Stark, and I'd like to welcome you to the Most Precious Commodity Podcast, which is a podcast of all the stories that I've written over the last year, with the theme being time. What do we do with the time we've been given? Why does it always seem to go so fast? What happens when it runs out? What about those of which time has forgotten? Well, this time, this episode, I had a whole plan of a story I was going to read, kind of following that similar theme of things that time has forgotten. But I changed it. Last week, I had an idea for a story, kind of in the spirit of the Olympics, which just ended, and for a special reason that I will share after this particular story. It's called Stadium Gate. And it's a very special story for me and my family. And I'm excited to be able to share it with you this time. I'll read it. And then at the end, I'll kind of tell you a little bit more about it. It was beautiful. Yet something fell off. For some reason, I felt uneasy as if I shouldn't be there. But I'm not sure why, since everything about the scenery seemed perfect. Plus, I love concerts and sports and lectures, you name it, and I'm usually up to attending. But not today, was not in the mood, and was sitting by myself, alone with my thoughts. I tried to persuade myself to relax, have fun, like everyone else seated in the whole stadium. The field below was empty, yet the crowd was on the edge of their seats, cheering and carrying on as if they were spectating the Super Bowl. This wasn't the Super Bowl. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't clear on how I even arrived at my seat. My mind was cloudy, overrun with worry and concern that I could not identify. I had no idea why I felt the way I did. The stadium was like any other stadium I had ever seen. It stretched at least eight sections high into the crystal blue sky with a combination of bleachers, club seats with backrests, and luxury suites circling the entire circumference of the stadium. There were no empty seats. They were all jammed with rowdy fans making noise as if something was happening below. Nothing was happening below. The field was vacant, and the only movement In the entire stadium were the spectators bobbing in and out of the tiered rows of bleachers and seats. Fortunately, I was seated in the second section with an unobstructed view of the field. 
Unfortunately, I have a passionate aversion to height, so I must have paid a pretty penny to purchase my ticket, but I couldn't recall how much. That was something else I forgot. My mind, so cloudy. The field was immaculate, and an unlike any setup I had ever seen before. A tan synthetic rubber track encircled a large area of brilliant, lush grass. Included in the grass were sections set aside for long jumps, high jumps, pole vaults, and then tucked next to the swimming pool was the designated area for field events. This stadium included a large swimming pool amid all of the track and field events. The swimming pool made it unique. What made it strange was that the pool didn't include any lanes. As a matter of fact, the track didn't have any lanes either. If this was indeed a sporting venue, why weren't there any designated lanes for the swimmers and runners? The sparkling blue water was uninterrupted with the typical floating demarcations. Why was it in the field? It was so odd. And as beautiful and unique as the area was, it remained empty. So I had spent who knows how much hard-earned money to sit and stare at an unoccupied track with a pool in the infield. Talk about frivolous spending. The crowd remained abuzz in anticipation for who knows what. I didn't know, but it was a constant flutter. The kind that you know is there, but disappears into the background. Could have asked the patrons beside me what was going on, but I was too embarrassed. Whatever was happening or going on must have been huge, judging by the number in attendance, standing room only. The constant noise with no action below put me in some kind of daze. I found myself dwelling on what was going on in my world and paying little attention to my surroundings. I needed to be with my friends now. They needed me now more than ever. So why was I here among all these happy people? I couldn't understand. Then, the noise level picked up. chanted the crowd, growing more and more animated. The people sitting around me began pumping their fists into the air and beat with the chant. The stadium's foundation began to rock as the chant grew louder. The cheer continued, yet the field remained empty as I involuntarily bounced up and down in my seat. 
Were they encouraging someone or some team to enter? Was this the standard beginning for every event at this stadium? I had no idea, only that the cheer began to hurt my ears and my rear from all that jostling. Over there, look, there they are. They're coming in. Shouted the man next to me, pointing his finger at the tunnel entering onto the field. I followed his finger's path and observed that people were entering the track. They were walking, smiling, and waving to the crowd like Olympians do during opening ceremonies. But they weren't dressed like athletes. Instead, they were dressed in everyday clothes, jeans, t-shirts, shorts, dresses, suits, coats, etc. How could I tell where they came from or what country they represent? The crowd changed their chant to, Just when I thought the line of athletes entering was over, more men and women and children of all different ages, sizes, and races set foot inside to the roar of the crowd. The atmosphere in this stadium was one of complete and total celebration. A celebration of what? I still did not know. The chant continued until the very last person entered the stadium. Yet there was no formal introduction of athlete or description of the events. Instead, there was a shout of, And just like that, the athletes began running, jumping, throwing, and swimming in no particular order. Now it should have been total chaos, but it wasn't. There is almost an order to it. Each athlete doing whatever event they wanted without impeding one another. It's pretty miraculous. And even though there appeared to be no teams, no countries or former events, the crowd continued to cheer, now even louder than before. Shouted the spectators in unison. Soon that feeling of unease that I was feeling it started to lift. The stadium, the people around me, the athletes, they all had a positive effect on me. It wasn't long before I was yelling too. Yes, yes, nice job. At the top of my lungs, I had no idea what was going on, but I had joy and peace that I hadn't experienced for a long time. Now I had watched many athletic contests during my day, but I had never seen as much joy in a competition as I did this day. The athletes were running as far as they wanted, 
as fast or as slow as they wanted, and wherever they wanted. Some athletes were lean and tall, others short and stocky. Some were young, some were old, as there seemed to be no age groups, only athletes. I had never seen a person sprint in jeans before, but I did on that day. There was no judgment, no controversy, only peace and love. This was becoming the happiest I had ever been in my life. Even though I wish I knew what was going on, I started to think that maybe just taking it in was the way to go. So I joined in on the cheer. I couldn't help but smile and pump my arms. The swimmers paddled, kicked, and waded to all corners of the pool, splashing in glee as they made their way to their intended destination. Some did backstrokes or breaststrokes or doggy paddles. A few of them even sat on the edge of the pool and dangled their feet, appreciating the simplicity of the sun on their faces. It was a community pool with an emphasis on community. The rest of the athletes hoisted and threw weighted objects into the middle of the grass. Some athletes threw the shot put several yards while others merely dropped them at their feet. No one cared. No one fretted. They just celebrated. High fives, hugs, cheers. It could be observed all over the stadium began to wonder who these athletes were. I had never seen them before. Even the ones who appeared to be running or swimming world-class times, I didn't know them. I mean, I was the biggest sports fan I knew, yet I didn't recognize a single one of them. I studied every athlete's face, every build, and every event, yet no one was familiar. These anonymous, inspiring, athletes they deserve to be known perhaps a program would help i stood up from my chair and started moving toward the aisle with my eyes still fixed on the field that is when it happened i saw a familiar face one i knew very well it can't be i thought how is she here why is she running it has to be someone else it looked just like her. I had to know. Excuse me, excuse me. Do you know who that lady is running right there? I asked the gentleman at the end of the row. Her name is Trudy. Trudy, my mother-in-law, was running around the track as fast as anyone I had ever seen. And she was smiling, just like she always did. Trudy was one of the friendliest people I knew. She always made me feel right at home. Heck, she made everyone feel right at home. And it continued on the track that day. I yelled her name, Trudy. hoping she could hear me. But the noise of the stadium was too loud. She sprinted on by, arms pumping and legs churning. I made it to the aisle and began climbing the steps to the entrance above. I was still watching, still wondering how this was happening. Trudy, she had multiple sclerosis, 
for over 40 years and was confined to a wheelchair the last time I saw her. And sadly, she had passed away recently. She was on this track, alive and running with that familiar smile I had always, always loved. Even when she was sick, she never stopped smiling. Now it became even more paramount that I purchase a program. I wanted to show my wife. I wanted to show her that everything was okay and that Trudy was alive and living life to the fullest. I wanted a program, no matter the cost. I soon found myself in a sprint, desperately looking for someone, anyone who could sell me a program. But there was no one around, weren't even food vendors. This is so odd, I thought, as I continued to search all eight sections of the stadium. I was growing tired of searching when I finally took a seat on an empty wooden chair overlooking what appeared to be a gate to the stadium. It looked like every other gate I had seen. This one was different. There was no one taking tickets, no metal detectors, and still no one selling programs. Instead, it was empty, quiet. It didn't remain that way for long. Just beyond the gate, I heard the noise of the impending arrival of more people. I overheard talking, but I couldn't make out what was being said. Trees and bushes surrounded the gate, so I couldn't see them either. All I knew was a group of people was coming. More athletes, I thought, as I watched the empty gate with the anticipation. That sound soon blocked out the entrance chatter as it seemed to be drawing closer and closer. It was a man, and he was walking with braces on both of his knees and leaning on two crutches to keep his balance. And then that noise stopped. As soon as the man entered the gate, he threw his crutches to the side, took off his braces and yelled, thank you, thank you, God. I could hear. In the background, as he began to jog toward the sound of the crowd noise. Shortly, people with walkers in wheelchairs and hospital beds followed this man into the gate, which each one yelling, thank you, thank you, God, before rising to their feet and jogging toward the stadium opening. One by one, they entered, and one by one, they were healed. That's it. This was why the crowd roared and the athletes competed with joy. Tears streamed down my face as I imagined Trudy doing the same thing when she first entered the stadium gate. I had experienced something spiritual, something I couldn't explain. I couldn't help but wonder why I felt so uneasy at the start. This was life-changing. 
I had to get back to my seat. I wanted to watch athletes in action, and I wanted to see Trudy run. At this point, I didn't care if I had a program or not. This day, this feeling was going to stick with me forever. I knew it. I reached my row and walked across the aisle to my seat. Right before I sat down, I saw her. I saw Trudy. She was sitting in the pool, but she was looking right at me with that friendly smile that I had always known. I raised my hand and mouth. Thank you. Thanking her for always welcoming me and thanking her for being a great mother-in-law. She continued to smile. That must have been the start signal. Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. Please wake up. Wake up. Said the nurse as she gently rubbed my shoulder. The noise of the machines filling the air. No! I thought still in a semi-slumber. This wasn't a dream. It couldn't be a dream. It seemed so natural, so real. I want to go back, I yelled before I realized where I was. It was then that I remembered that I was in a hospital. Sitting with my childhood best friend, Glenn, We were inseparable back in the day. He was either at my house or I was at his, playing everything from basketball to matchbox cars. We were rarely apart, except for the one day he got struck by a car. He was riding his bike to my house when he lost control and veered into an oncoming vehicle. Glenn almost died that day and was paralyzed from the chest down. His life changed, yet our relationship didn't. We remained the best of friends, spending time together, getting into trouble, and living life to the fullest from childhood to adulthood. The pandemic, it changed all that. Now Glenn lay in his hospital bed, struggling with the effects of COVID pneumonia, fighting to survive. His body was tired. He had had enough. All nurses to the nurse's station. And it would only be a matter of time. The ventilator had been removed. And his breathing was shallow. This is why I felt uneasy, I thought. Glenn was dying, and I was dozing off into a dream. Glenn is starting to transition, said the hospice nurse as his breathing and pulse rate began to slow. I quickly jumped from my chair and moved close to Glenn's side. As I looked at him lying in bed, I felt sad at his current condition and sad that we would be apart for the first time in our lives. That ugly sound continued, but it soon became blocked out. could faintly hear that chant, the one in my dream, but I was fully awake. It continued. 
as Glenn's pulse began to slow. Thank you. Thank you, God. Shouted Glenn. It was the first time I had heard him speak since he fell ill with COVID pneumonia. As his voice miraculously overcame the trauma of all the COVID-19 treatment, his pulse and breathing stopped. The fight now over. Glenn left his bed right then and found himself standing at the gate to the stadium. He thrust his chair to the side and ran to the opening. Trudy was there waiting for him. They would run together. I hoped my seat was still reserved because one day I was going to see them again. One day I would join them through the stadium gate. My only aim is to finish the race. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Like I mentioned, it's a special story. It, it's kind of timely due to the Olympics, but on July 25th, in a year since my mother-in-law, Trudy, had passed away, and she was one of the most kindest people that I had ever met. As I mentioned in the story, she helped me and all the people that she met feel comfortable. You could just be the way you were and you would be accepted. And that was her special gift. That was her special gift to humanity. As long as I had known her and, and for 40 years, she had been confined to a wheelchair or a walker due to the effects of MS. But it never changed her attitude. She was one of the most positive people that I also had ever met. So when she passed away a year ago, it was rough on our family, especially my wife. I wanted to write this story to not only honor her, but my father also. He passed away three years ago, and for 10 years, he was confined to a wheelchair due to the results of a stroke. I like to think that the time when they passed from this world to heaven, that there was a stadium gate, that they could take their wheelchair or their walkers or their hospital beds and toss it aside as they entered the stadium to do whatever they wanted for the first time in probably a long time. So that's the, the meaning of this story. I hope you enjoyed it. It was therapeutic to write. I thank you so much for listening to the show, for being a part of this show. And I want to thank York Campbell, Poetic Earthling, for once again producing my episodes. Each week gets better and better. He does such a good job. What's he going to do to it now? How's he going to make it even better? I can't express how great of a job he does. And I would definitely ask that you check out his podcast, Poetic Earthling, because he has great stories. I don't even know where they're going to go, and they're so, so good, especially the last one that he wrote. I will return next time with that theme of what time has forgotten. But like I said, I had to take a detour this time because this story was just too important and timely. 
You've been listening to The Most Precious Commodity. Written by Brent Stark. You can follow him on Twitter at MostSciFi. Do me a favor. Please subscribe and spread the word about this show. Also, don't squander your precious time. Use it wisely. Taking out time is 3 p.m. Give generously. Those of the sort aren't interested in you when you come in, but... Thank you for listening. When your time is up. If you're still listening, right to the end of this episode, that means you are a true fan. Do me a favor, spread the word about Most Precious Commodity to your friends. And if you haven't done so already, please hit follow or subscribe. Most Precious Commodity is also a book written by Brent Stark. Go out and treat yourself and buy a copy on Amazon. I'll talk to you soon.